Rust Belt, but I have some Appalachian in me somewhere. Uh, our church uh, serves in remarkable ways. And I want to thank uh, everybody who participated yesterday at the Old Brooklyn Food Bank. We fed 180 families for the month yesterday. And uh, next month we'll have to feed more because uh, more we ran out of food. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for us to identify that there are people who will not eat every day if somebody doesn't help them. And I'm glad to be part of that. I'm honored to be on that team. I also want to thank our um, our uh, uh, people on our mental health uh, and addiction ministry. Uh, we had another uh, night at uh, Old Brooklyn, and uh, we had a bunch of agencies there. And uh, uh, the goal of this ministry is to connect people like you and I with the help that's out there. You do not have to do this alone. Uh, you don't have to face mental health alone. You don't have to face mental health in your family alone. There are beautiful people who are figuring stuff out and they want to help and we want to help you get connected with all the help you need. So um, don't do it alone. You don't have to. There's some wonderful people who would love to help you. Yeah. Our dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be gracious to us today. And I ask that you would stir up within us an inclination to pray. I know how easy it is to take you for granted. And I pray that you would, uh, you would be gracious and stir up something in us where we have a longing to have conversations with you again. And I ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Sounds a little echoey to me. Um, I want to recommend a book to you. It's uh, Ryan Holiday's book called um, Courage is Calling. Uh, Ryan Holiday is a philosopher, but please don't let that taint your thinking. He's not that kind of philosopher. Uh, and basically, the, the arguments he makes in this book are arguments that um, there are four cardinal virtues. And these cardinal virtues are uh, necessary for quality life. The cardinal virtues aren't something I do for other people. The cardinal virtues are something I do for myself because they make the quality of my life better. If you live a courageous life, you're going to live a better life than if you live a fearful life. So, and he makes very interesting arguments. 
And I would like to share a quote this morning that he has in his book from Winston Churchill. Churchill said, To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. Uh, Churchill said, every one of us have these golden opportunities in life. And by divine providence, God comes around and taps us on the shoulder. And he says, this could be your finest hour. But it's too late to get ready then. You are either ready or you aren't. You are either growing into the soul that's competent for that moment or you're not. And I believe that an important part of growing into this being a competent pope, a person in our moment of opportunity, I believe a direct part of that is prayer. I believe having conversations with God does something to my soul that nothing else can do. And it uniquely prepares me for these moments in life where we get to have our finest hour. Church, uh, for the last uh, 41 years, we've had a, a week of prayer. This church has prayed its way forward. And this is our spring week of prayer. And I'd like to ask you to upset your schedule this week and show up once a day, maybe at 6 in the morning, maybe at noon, maybe at 6 in the evening, and just spend some quiet time with God. I know some of you say, Doc, I don't like to pray in front of people. Nobody's going to call on you. Uh, if you just want to sit quietly, th that's fine too. Uh, I like to pray with people. I like to pray for people. I like to hear people pray for me. I don't know about you, but I need all the prayer I can get. And something good happens when I hear my uh, uh, people in the prayer group uh, praying for me. So maybe you're saying, well, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. You don't have to figure this out yourself. It turns out the Bible has a lot of examples that we can use to help us pray. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about Psalm 107, where God teaches us to say prayers of thanksgiving. The psalm starts out like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Uh, it's not easy to see in the English translation, but if you were to read this in the original, you would see give thanks to the Lord is an imperative. 
That means it's a command. Uh, the psalmist doesn't say, it's a nice thing once in a while to say thank you to God. It's not what he's saying. He's saying it is a necessary thing to regularly say to God, thank you. Thanksgiving focuses on the steadfast love of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I want to remind you that steadfast love means God loves you because, you're, because he's loving, not because you're lovable. I, I've heard, you've heard this from me before. God loves you because he's loving, not because you're lovable. There isn't anybody else in the world who loves you the way God loves you. Do you understand this? All the rest of us are flawed, and it's easier to love people when they're likable than when they're having one of their days. Right? Uh, it's just human... It's just human to feel more loving when somebody else is loving, and it's just human to say, you're a jerk today, and I don't you know if I even want to be around you. All right, that's not God. God doesn't love me any more when I'm having a good day than when he loves me when I'm having a bad day. Because his love is not a reaction to me. His love is an expression of his heart toward me. If, there's, if you can tell God, thank you for anything, well, if I can tell God, thank you for anything, it's thank you for loving me when I'm a jerk. Thank you for loving me when I don't deserve it. Thank you for loving me when... Uh, uh, you probably should be giving me a good swift kick in the seat of the pants. God deserves thanksgiving because he has steadfast love. Uh, and we see his, his steadfast love in his goodness. Could I tell you again, every good thing in my life has its origin in God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of change. I, if you would look around your life, you would start seeing good things. I'm just going to throw one out there. Uh, Sharon and I had two bad summers, and I didn't start my motorcycle for two years. But I started that bike up this week. And it started. I was so happy. I was doing Pentecostal dances around the garage. Uh, 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 uh. Maybe not a big thing, but it was a good thing. God was good to me, and the thing started. And I got up and rode it around on an expired plate, and I didn't get a ticket. Uh, uh, I mean... Uh, the goodness of the Lord comes running after me. Uh, if you look around your life, you can start seeing a whole bunch of these goodnesses of God. And when you see them, I, I, I sense 
the, the impulse of your heart will, will, to be, will be to say to God, thank you. That was very, I appreciate that. Church. Thanksgiving is possible because God redeems us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't think I need to remind you that if it were not for Jesus Christ, none of us would have any hope of heaven. You do know that, right? You do know you can't work your way in. You, you have figured it out that this thing is either given to you by God or you don't get it. Redemption is God saying, I can take care of what you can't take care of. I can, I can, I can uh, remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. I believe with all my heart, someday I will stand up to give an account for my life. And Christ will speak in my behalf. And he will say, ah, it is finished. I've taken care of everything. I'm not getting in because I was a good boy. Uh, I, I wasn't. I was the kid you did not want to have in your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. I'm not getting in because uh, I got everything right. I'm getting in because one day Jesus took my place and he redeemed me. And I want to be forever thankful for that. I don't want to ever get tired of saying to Christ, uh, when I was still in my sin, you died for me to make me acceptable to God, and I want you to know I appreciate it. I do thank you. He hasn't just redeemed me from sin, he's redeemed me from trouble. I don't know if you think this way, but there's a thing called um, preventative grace. And preventative grace is, whether you know it or not, God kept you out of trouble many times. Oh, some, some people like me he had to keep out of trouble more often than other people, but everybody in this room has had moments in your life where God went the extra mile and kept you out of trouble you would have gotten yourself in. Anyone? Uh, uh, the knucklehead move we could have made, God saved us from. The trouble we could have gotten ourselves into, God saved us from. His preventative grace was there and met us strategically. There are other troubles in our lives that he saved us from. Um, maybe you've had health problems. Uh, maybe you've had interpersonal problems. There are a ton of problems in our lives that God has miraculously, lovingly, and gently held our hands and walked us through. And he deserves a thanksgiving for it. He deserves to be appreciated for it. And then the psalmist says in verse 8, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul 
and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This also is a command. It's, it's, not, it, uh, uh, um, uh, it's not stated as an imperative, but in the original uh, verb form, it is an imperative. It would, say, it would be like this. Um, they must give thanks for his steadfast love. Why does this have to be repeated a second time? Because it's easy to take God for granted. Do you know that? I don't know if you uh, 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 try to be self-aware, but what if you just put yourself to the test and tomorrow you check how many times you say thank you to somebody? Uh, I want to be in the habit of saying thank you. I want to thank people. I want it to be a normal part of my life. I want to thank people so much they stop hearing it. I don't want to thank people so rarely they go, Ooh, what was that? Never heard that before. Uh, okay. What if you just did a gut check tomorrow and you just paid attention to how many times you said thank you to anybody? And then maybe Tuesday, you push that a little farther and you keep track of how many times you say thank you to God. It's easy to take God for granted, church. You got me? It's easy to take him for granted. It's easy to get busy. It's easy to live in the rush. It's easy to be, have all these blessings. It's easy to be loved by our family. And, and it's easy to have all this stuff and somehow or another take it all for granted. But the command is start paying attention because God deserves thank yous. Uh, the second reason we have to be commanded to say thank you is it's easier to see what we think we want instead of what we have. Huh? It's easier to say, well, so-and-so has this, and look what so-and-so has, and look where they live, and look what they're driving. Uh, look at the fancy handbag that she has. Uh, I wonder if it's real. Uh, I've got four daughters. I know how this works. Uh, it, human nature uh, has a tendency to focus more on what we don't have than on what we have. And I don't need to tell you, compared to other people in the world, we live like kings and queens. Do you understand me? We live like kings and queens. If we go to the refrigerator and it isn't there, uh, Drug Mart is 10 minutes away, right? Uh, there are places in the world that we're trying to be very, very helpful in where if you had the money, you couldn't buy it. It's not available. We need to stop looking at what we don't have and we need to start looking at what we do have and let that fill us with an appreciation to God. It says we give thanks for uh, his steadfast love, uh, for his wondrous works among the children of men. Again, in the original text, it, it's, the works isn't there, 
we add that to make it smoother reading. It might be read something like this. For his being amazing to the children of men. Do you know God is an amazing being? If there's any being in the world who is amazing, it is God. I know, I, I, I know we have the sports hall of faves and we think those people are amazing. I, I know we have red carpets and, and fancy dresses and, and we think those people are amazing. I, 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 we've got a whole list of amazing people. But their nose runs just like yours. They have to have a handkerchief just like you do. Church, uh, they may be unique, but they're not amazing. There is one who is amazing. He is the Lord God Almighty. And he is absolutely, uh, he creates radical wonder in the human soul. And we should give thanks to him because he is so amazing. What would that sound like? It would sound something like this. Dear God, I know that you have an eternal track record that is flawless, and I give thanks to you for it. Dear God, I know you have never thought an ugly thought, and I give thanks to you for it. Dear God, you always treat people better than what they deserve, and I give thanks for it. Do you understand this? I know some of you grew up in a harsh religion. Listen, God is even so amazing, he can show kindness to Satan. If you think God is unkind to Satan, you haven't read the Bible. Uh, he endures him with a gentle spirit. God is so amazing that even the one who hates him and despises him the most, God finds ways to show kindness to. That's pretty amazing, church. And if God can find ways to be kind to the unholy one, surely you believe he has an infinite capacity to show you kindness in your daily life so that you have reason to say to the Almighty, I, I'm grateful to you. You really are amazing to me. True thanksgiving comes from a satisfied soul. He satisfies the longing soul. Could we talk about, uh, could we talk just briefly about, uh, you do know external things don't satisfy your internal self. You know that, right? You know there's nothing you can have on the outside that causes your inside to say, it is well with my soul. If you don't know that, I'm sorry, you've got a terrible awakening coming. Young people get all the nice stuff you can get, but don't ever think that there's something out there that is so nice that your internal self will be forever content. Church, it's a myth. Only, only, uh, only the reality of soul can satisfy soul. Uh, uh, I, I, I want to say 
only the perfect soul of God can satisfy the hungry soul of man. Uh, the week of prayer is not just me asking God for stuff. The week of prayer is sometimes me just sitting silently and saying, all I really want is a sense of who you are because it makes things more peaceful in my inner self. Can you hear this? Sometimes I sit in this, in this room uh, with a group of people and, and uh, 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 sometimes uh, they're praying and I try to get as quiet as I can on the inside and I try to say something like this to God. What I really want more than anything else is I want a sense of you. I want something of who you are to express itself to my soul because every time that happens, it makes me a better man and I find an inner peace and contentment. Church, the week of prayer is worth it for just that. Your soul has a longing that it can't describe. But God tells us that longing is for him. Your soul has a need that you can't define, but the Bible defines it as the human need for the reality, the presence, the amazing wonder of God. Verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, for his amazing self to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. This is a third command to give thanks to God. Perhaps the third command is, I need to give thanks to God the Father, I need to give thanks to Jesus Christ, and I need to give thanks to the Holy Spirit. Maybe my thanksgiving should be expressed to all three persons of the Trinity. And then we have poetry. Uh, the Bible likes poetry. Uh, and I know we live in a culture now that uh, I don't know whatever happened that poetry fell off the charts, but poetry is a beautiful thing. You, you just got to adapt yourself to it. It won't adapt itself to you. We have to adapt to it. And if I will adapt myself to poetry, I, I, I will find it very, very uh, fascinating. So how do I adapt myself to poetry? The first thing I say is, what is the poetic image? Poetry creates images. All right, now you ask yourself while I read this, what is the poetic image? Some sat in darkness in the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and out of the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. If you, if you let that, 
there is a, there's an, a poetic image. And the image is of people in shackles and in prison. And the reason they're there is they abandoned God. And in their sorrow and in their misery in prison, God meets them. And he does what only he can do. He delivers them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness of the shadow of death. He burst their bonds apart. Now I know the image. Now I can see the image. I can actually feel the emotion connected to the image. Poetry carries more emotion than historical narrative. There is an emotion here. There's the emotion of, that goes along with losing your freedom and being afflicted and being bowed down and, and, and the misery of it all. Then there's a second emotion, and the second emotion is being set free from all of that and getting a fresh start in life, a new chance. This is the image that this piece of poetry creates. And now the psalmist says, if this poetry speaks to your heart, you need to know that God does the same thing for you. He shatters the gates of iron and he cuts through, he shatters the gates of bronze and cuts through the bars of iron. Wherever you have imprisoned yourself, there is a great God who's competent to set you free from that prison. If you have imprisoned yourself in a mind that is too critical, that's too, uh, 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 too judgmental, uh, 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 self-crushing. There is an amazing God who has steadfast love, and he can set you free from that kind of thinking. Some of you live with secret addictions. There are, there are bars of iron. They just seem to hold you in. You don't seem to be able to get free from it. I want you to know there is an amazing God who will cut those bars of iron and set you free from the addiction. Uh, some, of you have, uh, some of you have toiled under uh, the cruelty of, uh, of depression. It's, it, it has been a prison that you found difficult to escape. I want to tell you there is an awesome God who has a great spirit and he's able to set you free. Uh, the list of how we imprison ourselves goes on and on and on. But the list is not greater than the amazing capacity of God through his steadfast love to set us free. Uh, we are uh, prisoners of our own fear. Uh, we, we, uh, the, uh, we, we, we hold ourselves back from living fully to our capability. Uh, the, the great God of heaven wants to come to the prison that you have shut yourself in. He wants to break the bars of iron. He wants to shatter the gates of bronze. And he wants you to hear him say, come out. Be free. We give thanks to God for setting us free from the tyranny of sin and evil. 
This is a long psalm, and I can't explain it all, so we're going to jump to verse 43. Listen how this psalm ends. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I want to say, mindless thanksgiving is meaningless thanksgiving. Church, a flippant thank you doesn't mean anything. A thoughtful thank you means everything in the world. Can you hear this? A thoughtful thank you means everything in the world. Everyone in this room has heard a hollow thank you, and you knew it was hollow. It rang like uh, an echo in the Grand Canyon. But hopefully everyone in this room has heard an authentic thank you. A thank you that somebody has thought about and they've said, this is special and needs to be, uh, gratitude needs to be expressed for this. I believe the week of prayer gives us time to say thank, thoughtful thank yous to God. I believe it gives us moments where we can set aside the rush of life and we can get real calm and we can start paying good attention to how good God has been to us and we can give him thoughtful thank yous. Uh, uh, don't you have a thoughtful thank you to God for, for your family? Now I know some of you have hard family conditions but isn't there something about your family that God has, has done something good and you can say a thoughtful thank you? Uh, I, I tell God a thoughtful thank you. I love my job. I could He could have made me do anything. Uh, I mean, uh, but he let me have this job. I'm so grateful to for him. For, I'm so thankful for it. Can't you look around your life? Can't you, can't you, can't you pay attention and, and start saying, Dear God, I notice this. And because I notice this, I have a thoughtful thank you for you. Church, do you know thanksgiving is a quality of wisdom? The wiser you are, the more thankful you are. The dumber you are, the more thankless you are. I'm, I'm just... That's a philosophy. <laughs> Whoever is wise, they pay attention and they hear themselves saying thank you. Uh, you could raise your IQ two or three uh, uh, points by just saying thank you more often. Either that or people would think you were a wiser because you said thank you more often. Look, what also, look at what also it says. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. The word attend is really guard. We do well to guard some thoughts and ideas. We must not let them slip away. Do you know there are some ideas that are infinitely better for you than others? You do know that, right? 
There are some ideas that enrich your life. There are some ideas that make your life better just because you think them. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. The psalmist is saying, this is a great idea. And it's an idea that you have to guard and not let it slip away. Because if you're not careful, life starts slapping you around during the week, and instead of having a grateful heart, you have a heart that is full of grudges. Instead of being full of appreciation, you're full of apprehension. And so the psalmist says, there are thoughts that have to be guarded. And one of the thoughts that have to be guarded is a heart of thanksgiving. Do I have a heart of gratitude? Am I expressing gratitude toward God? Am I showing gratitude toward people? Am I being enriched in my inner self by wisdom so I see the wisdom of saying thank you? And then he says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord makes me a better person. Church. God loving me because he's loving and not because I deserve it, that makes me a better person. Uh, parents, I want to talk to you for just a minute. Please let me talk to you. You love your kids into being better people. You don't have any tool in your toolbox stronger than love. If you want to help your kids get better, you love them into being better. You don't grouse them into being better. You don't punish them into being better. You don't shame them into being better. All that stuff is not wise. The wisest thing you can do is love your kids into being better. Church, you win when your kids know that you love them so much they don't want to disappoint you. Church, and I feel that way toward my Heavenly Father. He has loved me so much. He has been so good to me. He's looked out for me when I was not looking out for myself. He has guided my pathway. He's shown me his best self. And because God has been so good to me, I want to be pleasing to him. I'm not coming to the week of prayer because it's a duty. I'm not coming because it's an obligation. I'm coming because my heavenly father is so beautiful to me that I just want to hang around with him a little bit extra this week. I want to be in his presence just a little more this week. I want to tell him at least five days in a row that I think he's awesome and I'm happy that he's been so good to me and I want to be a better man, church. The week of prayer doesn't change the world, it changes us. And when it changes us, we have a capacity for having an influence in the world that we wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, some of you are saying, oh, Doc, five days. Yeah, it's only five days. Uh, uh, people pay thousands of dollars to go to five days of freaking Disney World. 
And guess what? You're going to feel better when the week of prayer is over than you would feel uh, coming home from Disney World after five days. Why is it uh, Cedar Point's always more fun when you're going there than when you're coming home? Tell me that. I don't know. All right. Uh, there are many things you could do. There are many things you could do. But I don't know of anyone that is healthier for the soul, more nurturing for your inner self, more cleansing to the human heart, more affirming than to reorganize your life and just come here once a day for five days and see what the amazing God might do in your heart. If you come in the morning, I'll be here. I'll, if you want, I'll pray with you. Uh, uh, if you come at six, I won't be here. I'm sorry. Uh, that's when Dave starts getting grouchy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Christ. Uh, teach us the wisdom of gratitude. Teach us the wisdom of being thankful. Inspire within us an awe for your steadfast love. I pray that you would uh, guide our way to this place uh, once a day, all week long. Pray that we would call upon your name. I pray that we would sense your presence. I pray that we would affirm each other in what is good. And I pray that our lives will be better because we've spent time with you and something of what is best about you rubbed off on us.